Welcome to the Boil Dow Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live, and there's lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. I'm Sam, (laughs) y'all. How's it going, Sam? I'm doing well. How are you, Don? I'm doing well. I'm sitting over here recovering just as hard as I possibly can. Oh, snap out of it. There's better <laughs> ways to live than in recovery. Oh, wait, no. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. And that, that was driven home to me recently when I went to uh, a college production. UNCG did a production of the play Hair. Ooh. Long, beautiful hair. The uh, first thing I go to is nudity. Yeah, well, they did that too, <laughs> and oh, it was really good. They did; it was a great performance. But you know what? I saw that play when it came out at UNCG in 1970, 71. Was that back when you could smoke joints in the theater? Yeah. Uh, well, I did whatever <laughs> I wanted to do in the theater. I don't don't know whether you could or couldn't. I carried a bottle of orange driver in there with me, and I smoke joints before certainly and but that's the thing the the thing about the play one of the points of it is the world is screwed up the man is against me the government's against me my parents are against me everything is against me and i'm gonna be free let's get fucked up and it's drugs and alcohol and and free love. And it just sounds great, doesn't it? Except for the fact... <laughs> except for the fact it becomes clear in retrospect, looking back at it again, many, many, many years later, <laughs> all that freedom with that drug... For me, it wasn't freedom. It was a trap. Mm-hmm. The drugs were a trap. The alcohol was a trap. Yeah, it- it worked for a while. It, it, it had its attraction, but, you know, uh, we're wired a little differently, apparently. Evidently. I mean, now I guess some people can do it and quit. Yeah. But that's that quitting part, you know. I quit so many times. Every time I put the drink down, I quit. I quit. And then I picked it back up. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a guy in AA here who is fond of saying he would taper off. And uh, he kept telling his wife he's going to taper off. And his wife said that his tapering off looked a whole lot like drinking. (laughs) Sam, we have a guest. We do have a guest. Hi, guest. Who are you? Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Don, it's great to be here. I'm I'm glad you could come. How long have you been sober? Since July 10th in 2002. So that's 16 plus. 16 plus. Amazing years. Yeah. Yeah. And... How did you learn about AA when you were drinking? You decided you needed to. I wish I could be so lucky. No, the uh, law enforcement in uh, Georgia, they decided that I needed to go to AA. You had help. I had help. They, they did. <laughs> outside help. Uh, outside help. And it was no. Yes. They were very stern about that, too. They said, here, here's hands behind your back. And uh, they didn't take me directly there, but they said uh-huh. it would re- the law enforcement and the judge said it'd be a really good idea that uh, I might go to AA. So you were court-ordered? Not court-ordered. Well, I was in 94, okay? Judge says after this third or fourth DUI, I can't remember which one, Uh because most of what I'm going to say today is just hearsay, because I don't remember a lot of the stuff I did. Right. Okay? But he said, "You, you need to go to meetings. And I said, what kind of meetings? And they said, AA meetings. And I said, well, I'm not an alcoholic. And they said, well, you go anyway. So they <laughs> gave me a piece of paper and said, go. And so I did for a while. That was So that was long before you Long quit. before I got sober. Yeah. Right. So was, you knew about AA. I did. But I you mean, didn't believe in it. Well, I didn't. I, was, I, didn't, well, didn't I maybe it. didn't give it a chance. I didn't need it. That's yeah, right. You yeah. didn't need it. It wasn't for me. I was just unlucky. You know, uh, you ever heard of that? Oh, right. I, don't, I don't know what you're right. talking about. Yeah, that. every friend of mine ever said, How do you keep getting caught? You're just the unluckiest guy I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. I mean, I, I should have 
gotten a DUI. I, I drove all the time drunk and never did. I could have had more than the six I ended up with. Yeah. Yeah, no so, doubt. Well, so what was different the last time? The last time was uh, not only did it affect my career because I was driving a company vehicle, but it, uh, at that point I had been divorced and it was there was a lot of factors involved. But uh, the kids and my, my father and I did some other stuff that along with that six DUI that said, you need some help. And I, it got in to you this hard head. It. I could uh, feel it, mm, not see it. it. Yeah, I could feel it, you know. And through them, I said, yeah, I've got to. And I knew where AA was. It was right down the road. So, uh-huh. yeah. So I was ready at that time. And that was um, early 2000. Yeah. 2000. Yeah. Well, Oh, so the court suggested you go to no, AA No, this I went. They said at that time it was just time for me to go. Okay. They didn't say you have to do anything. They recommended, of course. But recommended it. Okay. Yeah, and I, I said, okay, I'm going, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I started going to meetings on my own at that point and sitting in meetings. So going. you didn't go to a treatment center. You just I did not. No, I didn't. Were you shaky? Oh, yeah. No, I was coming. I felt like I'd be sitting in the meetings, and I don't know that I had DTs or anything, but I would be just humming from the inside out. Okay? <laughs> feel like. <laughs> yeah. feel like you're coming apart. Right. The, I felt like the bolts were coming out, but, you know, just slowly. <laughs> oh, <you know>? Exactly. <laughs> and I'd be sitting in there going, I have no idea what's going on in here. And I'd been before, but, I, you know, it was uh-huh. different. So, Did anybody bring you a half a cup of coffee? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that somebody brought me a half. Yeah, a cup of I don't know. That, I, was, I don't recall that, but they probably did, or I probably walked in one. Walked in there with one. Yeah, yeah. I the well, I, I uh, the half a cup part. The half is the, the half, important part. Yeah, you yeah. can't hold the whole <laughs> can't thing. Can't hold it. No. I mean, I remember sitting at a, at a meeting and wanting uh, coffee, but I wasn't going to go get coffee because. If because I knew that if as I raised it, I don't think I'd spill it. But as I raised it, it would be so clear that I was shaking right. it. I, I didn't want to put on a show for anyone. Right. I didn't want anybody to know that I was shaking. The guy next to me got coffee and he came back and brought me half a cup of coffee. And I was going, oh, thank you. <laughs> it was great. And I don't know that really felt. I, I felt cared for. Yep. I'm like this. This guy was paying attention to me. Right. And that's what I really got out of the first meetings. People would come up to me and it's going to be okay. I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember people coming up to me after the meetings. And I remember a lot about what we're doing now, going out after the meetings. The meeting after the meeting. And going to wherever, whatever restaurant we were going to and hanging out. And and it was usually, they, you know, come on, Chris, you need to come with us. You know, it wasn't. No, 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 no. I don't want to bother. Well, you know what? At that time, I didn't have a whole lot of options left. Okay. So it was okay. I'll go. Uh-huh. And man, we had some great times just oh, sitting yeah. there drinking coffee and talking, and just it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. And all this was still down in Georgia? This was still in Georgia. Cool. Yeah. Yep. That's where I got sober at first. What was the, one of the first things that was something that's uh, in the steps or in the program that they were talking about at a meeting that you do remember that got through and going, oh, Oh, so well, that's what this is about. Is there something like that? Yeah, something big like that. It's the first word in, in step one is we. <laughs> we can do this because it was all about me before that. It was I, my sponsor at the time knew. He said, right down step one, it was all I, 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 I. And he goes, he, he, in a loving way, he comes up, puts his arm around me and says, what's the first word in the first step, dumbass? Because I don't know about <laughs> anybody else in the rooms, but I have a pretty hard head, okay? I was very hard-headed. He goes, it's we, we. And so I said, oh, wow. It really got in, you know, a uh-huh. shot. And, and uh, it's, that's one of those moments in time where I'll wow. never forget. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Real cool. Yeah. I try to remember that when I'm talking. Did he say dumbass or did you say dumbass? Did I'm I'm curious because you got sponsors. He might not have said that something that nice. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, so there's different sponsor sponsors and sponsees. You know, oh, there's uh, a, yeah. different ways of sponsors. Right. Some sponsors are real hard asses. Right. I've heard, uh-huh. and some sponsors mm-hmm. are. You know, I didn't have a sponsor who talked to me that way, but 
I couldn't tell you if that was him or me at this point. Yeah. Back then, being 20 years ago. Um, yeah. But I've heard my sponsor that I have now has definitely talked to me like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he knows you can take it. <laughs> so what kind of uh, what kind of meetings did you go to in those early days? In the there? early days, it was a clubhouse, you know, and it was uh, every kind of meeting you think about. I, I, of course, I didn't have a job. I was unemployable. Yeah. At that point, okay, didn't have a license, didn't have a whole lot, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'd get on the bus. My dad was gracious enough to let me live at him with him, and uh, get on the bus, and I'd take it down to the meeting, and I'd stay there for all types of meetings. It'd be discussion meetings, step meetings. There were different types of meetings: mm-hmm. men's meetings, beginners meetings, and I'd be there most all day. Oh wow! Hung out. I had to. Well, and that's how clubs have, uh, you know, I've not experienced that here in Greensboro with the two clubs that we have, that this is a place where people hang out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but my understanding is that's what they were when they were formed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that was, like I said, in the 2000. So I don't know if they're still that way. Every time I go to Atlanta, the area, I visit them uh-huh. and visit that that. Uh, Clubhouse. Do you see still, people you know? I don't see too many people that I remember. Okay. Uh, there are plaques on the wall, unfortunately, uh, you know, for the guys that really came up to me. And Bill was one of them, Tommy. Uh, Bill used to go, he used to wear this hat, and I was, he'd have all these pins on it. And I'm going, where'd you get that hat? And where'd you get those pins? It'd be an international conference. Uh, wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You just totally took me back to a, a fellow that we lost here uh, sometime in the past few years, Jerry. Jerry. Who uh, yeah. wore the hats. He wore hats. His hats didn't have pins all yeah. over them. <laughs> so now I have an old cowboy hat. It's a straw cowboy hat with a bunch of pins on oh, it. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's really cool. You've got his hat. I don't have his hat. I got one. I bought it. Uh, San Antonio, uh-huh. six, seven years ago. Following his example. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So now I've got a bunch of pins on there. Well, I might have to take that on. Right now, I've just got a lanyard with pins on it. <laughs> well, I've got that, too. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's amazing, those, some people that you meet in recovery. When I first came in, I remember talking to a guy. I only talked to him one time, Clarence. And he's gone now. He's, he died a while back, but... It was a speaker meeting, and uh, he talked about God in recovery, and I was, like, freaking out over God. I was like, oh, no, I can't do this. And something about the way he talked about it just seemed so honest and real. And I went up to him afterwards, and I was, like, falling apart. I was really new, a couple of weeks. I didn't go to a treatment center like you. I just came in. I was... Shaky, falling. I felt like the bolts were going to blow. And uh, I said, I really appreciate you talking about God. I've, I have had the hardest time with that. And he just looked at me right in the eye, and he reached over and he put his finger on my chest and said, God will help you. And it was like a bolt of energy shot through him th- to me. Wow. And that's called static electricity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the skeptic is <laughs> always at work here, I think. There, <laughs> there was a little bit more going on there, Sam. <laughs> but oh, it's like I wouldn't trade that memory for anything. Mm. What did somebody else share with you at any time? That's, well, uh, you know, Jack A, Jack, we we were pretty good friends. We hung out a little bit, and I I, can't, I wish I had a specific memory. But every time I was with Jack, I'd call him and say, you know, if I couldn't reach my sponsor, then he would come pick me up, and we'd hang out, and and he would listen to me and what I had to say. He had always had an antidote and a story to tell to bring me back into. A pleasant space is all I can tell you. Yeah. You know, he he didn't tell me anything, what to do, or he just would talk about his experience. And he had, mm-hmm. if you knew him, you know, he had so many experiences in life that. Uh, wow. So it really isn't a, a specific no, thing. But I, it was, yeah, it was just a feeling you had when you were with Jack. 
Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about Jack here? Yeah. Up from Winston? From Winston. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I moved up here. I changed, you know, like I said, if you're in this mind, it jumps from waffle box (laughs) to waffle box. And sometimes it'll get into a box, there's nothing in it. But that was a good one. Okay. So I'm glad we have a kind of a visual representation of the way your mind works. Absolutely. And that's not just, you know, that was a, 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 a talk I heard from two old timers that described the man's brain and a woman's brain. And it described mine perfectly, the waffle box. The waffle box. Yeah, you got waffles, and you go from box to box, and then certain there's lots of sports in this box and lots of AA in this one, and that one's pretty empty. And then, you know, if if talking to my wife, she can be channeling lots of different subjects, and I get lost because I'll hit a waffle box that's empty, and (laughs) she loses me. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, me. <laughs> yeah, don't even know where to go after that. Do you? <laughs> I think you just hit an empty waffle box. <laughs> empty waffle box. <laughs> so, yes, but anyway, that's who so I was. So you moved about. to Greensboro. Yeah, I moved up here in two thousand and one. How long had you been sober when you moved? About a year, a little over a year. So what was that like? It was, uh, you know, it was scary moving up here. Yeah. Um, uh, I'd you know, been sober long enough where I was working again and I got, you know, promoted and they said, well, you want to go to Greensboro, North Carolina, or you want to go to Colorado? And I said, well, I want to go to Greensboro because I used to live here as a kid. Okay. Okay. When I was three to nine years old, didn't remember a whole lot about it, but mm-hmm. it's close. It's in the Southeast. I don't want to go to Colorado. It's too far away. So get up here and go to and my sponsor. says, as soon as you get up there, go to a meeting, go to 90 meetings in nine days, get a home group. Get a sponsor. Well, I went to a meeting the first night I was here, but y'all did the chips different, and, <laughs> and y'all didn't do it. The meetings were different, mm-hmm. and and I got caught up, and I, I just and there's some other stuff going on too at home. And I said, man, they do it different. And I just really didn't go to meetings and didn't didn't get a sponsor and didn't do anything that I was suggested that I do. That's not uncommon when moving to feel like. The, because things will be different in different cities, and to right. not to feel like, I, well, this isn't the same. I right. can't connect to this. So, in so the big book, you, it says, you know, you got to get some ease and comfort somewhere. And I wasn't going to meetings that way. I was getting it before, so I had to go back out. And I went, I wasn't out long. I mean, I went back out after about a month being up here, maybe two months. I'm just not really sure. Wow. Yeah. So, but I didn't stay out long. You know, I know where I'm going to go. No, you learned something. Yeah, yeah. So, and uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, however you want to take it, no. that relationship ended. That mm-hmm. I, I moved up here with somebody. What's the expression? There are no failures here. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, and then I started going back to meetings. Picked up a start over chip at Starmount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I met a guy that night. And he became a sponsor. You and got a sponsor that night. Yeah, because. I know where I'm going if I drink. I'm going to jail or uh-huh. worse, you know, or worse. So. What happened when you started drinking? Did it immediately get out of control or was it? Not immediately, but it was getting there closely. And I was, You felt like you could drink again? And Well, I could and I could smoke pot again. And then once that starts going, then all bets are off because I don't know about y'all, but I'll do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's brought to me and it makes yeah. me feel differently, I say, after I take it, well, what's going to happen now? Yeah. How I yeah. used yeah. to be. You know? yeah. yep. I'll have one of each. Yes. So, and you know, <laughs> somehow, I, I, you know, I just said I can't do this. I've got to get back in the program. So, I got in. Yeah. Was it I, harder the second coming back in? Or? The humility was, you know, getting humble was a little tougher. Yeah, but it was, it was tough. Yeah, it was much harder actually because I didn't want to. Uh, I don't know. Is it let people down? That's not a good. That's not the exact. You feeling. felt like a failure. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I felt like a failure, and so. But I, you know, once I came in and picked up that start over chip, I felt okay. You know, it's going to be good again. Uh-huh. You know, just got to do this one day at a time, which was probably the best saying I've ever heard in my life. One day at a time. I know, except. It also is stupid. It, it, yeah, <laughs> but it saved my life. So. 
<laughs> it's like, well, duh. When I, I remember first hearing it, it was like, uh, okay, one day at a time. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> what other brilliance you got for me? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can hear you. Do, I can hear you saying that, Don. Yeah. Except for the fact, when you think about it, if you can keep your focus on just on today and bring it down even lower than that, keep my focus yeah. on. Okay, what's going on right now? I'm okay right now. And right now. This and moment, right, now, right now. And right now. Yeah. And almost invariably, if I'm upset, it's about worry about something that I don't, that's going to happen. It's not happening right now. It helps cut through that. And so, yeah, so one day at a time, while if you take it literally, yeah, duh, but really, it's saying, uh, pay attention to today. Pay attention to right now. Don't worry about tomorrow or the fact that you can't ever have a drink again in your whole damn life. Right. That No, that does, does not Don't work. drink right now. That's right. Don't drink in this moment. That's why I was at that clubhouse most of the days, especially early on. Oh, yeah. I was around a safe group of people that were doing something that I wanted to do. They were already doing it, and I just needed to hang out with them. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know, being sober sixteen years now, I still get, I still have an alcoholic mind. I don't think so much about drinking, mm-hmm. but I got things that crop up. And I'm going, well, I'm gonna be thinking about the future in a hurry, you mm-hmm. know. So I got to pull myself back into the day, you know, or thinking that's not right. That's right. They shouldn't have done that to me. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to buy this little cabin right now. Uh-huh. Jumping through a bunch of hoops to try to get it, and I can go there in a hurry. So I, you know, got to talk to folks like you and my sponsor about you know just stay. It's going to work out the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be putting a round peg in a square hole or vice versa. You just do what you can and let and let the other people decide. That's a hard thing to comprehend. First getting sober. Uh, was like how so okay how am i supposed to let go when i've got work to do i've got clients that i've got to take care of and they're not acting right (laughs) not acting right (laughs) (laughs) and i've got employees who are screwing me up and you know i'm trying my best here but good God, how am I going to handle this? My brother's completely crazy. What do you mean, let go? And so, how are you doing that? So you've got this cabin that you're trying to buy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it sounds like there are things that are not going your way Correct. the way you would like. Right? How are you letting go? I say a lot of prayers. Serenity prayer comes to mind a lot. Okay, and then I, I just talk to my sponsor, and I talk to my wife. And I rely on their input in saying, you know, we just, we've done everything we can that we've been asked to do. So we can't make other people do what we want them or think they should. And it's just really just getting in the program, the simple nuts and bolts of it say, I can't make other people do something that they don't want to do, or they're, they're not doing what I think they ought to do, Mm -hmm. you know? But it, 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 there's a process now, and I just got to understand it. That's it's going to go through the process. I, I yeah. heard it broken yeah. down one time that uh, a, a guy said to me when I was worked up about something. He said, "What part of the Serenity Prayer are you not working?" Right, and it's broke it down into three parts. And I was going, "Oh, oh okay." He said, Let, "Let's go over it." Right. So it's accept the things I cannot change, change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And the way that I get that wisdom so often is in talking to other people in recovery. Exactly. Yep. Me too. If I can't change it, then I've got to let go of it. Right. I got to give it to God because I don't have control. Right. That's it. I'm... I'm going through a similar situation. We're we're looking to buy property out in California right now, and and we're, you know, we're we're sitting on the internet looking at property and this and that and and the things that are coming up and and you know the the general place that we are with this that I am with this is don't bulldoze. Every yeah. time I have tried to, to bulldoze, right, is when. I've, I love the, the the imagery of a bulldozer. I'm pushing obstacles up in front of me. It may look like I'm clearing them out of the way, 
No, I'm pushing them up in front of me. I'm piling them up. Yes. Yes, that dirt's just piling up. Exactly. You know, we did that. um, Greg loves Volkswagen Beetles. And so back in in my early recovery, um, I found uh, an old-style California top Volkswagen Beetle on eBay in California and bought it for him for his birthday. And we jumped through the hoops. I mean, we made, I mean, we together, we bought it for him for his birthday. And we made this happen um, because one of the worst things that we had to deal with was the um, uh, the emissions on the thing did not meet North Carolina's emission check standards. It was old. Mm-hmm. And so we it just, it was a nightmare. And we forced every single step of the way we bulldozed our way through getting this car. And we were so damn happy when we got rid of it. <laughs> you know, it, there was no joy in having the car. We made it happen. And it, mm-hmm. all it did was cause pain. Ah. Uh-huh. Well, yep. yeah. well, I hope this doesn't cause any pain if we ever get the cabin. (laughs) Don't bulldoze the cabin. I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) Or you may want to bulldoze the cabin. (laughs) So tell us about doing work in one of the steps that is pivotal for you. Now or in the beginning? In the beginning when you first came in. And I'd have to say step three in the beginning. Uh, Even though one, two, and three were all kind of done what I'm, I'll never forget what step three is uh, made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood as him. we understood him because that was a big thing because my initial uh, growing up I certainly had a, a vision of God that was not pleasant you know and I don't mm-hmm. know where that actually came from I was raised Catholic so well maybe there that <laughs> might be it but might be the, might be the church might be but uh, and I was scared of God in a nutshell. I said, okay, I've done these things already. He's gonna, he's after me. So I might as well just go to hell in a handbasket like the Grateful Dead, I think, sang about. <laughs> you know, and, and that's really how I lived. And until I had that aha moment on my dad's front porch crying, drinking that beer and saying, okay, I'm in a jumping off. I didn't know at the time, but I was I'm either going to live or I'm going to die. What What is this moment that you're describing here? What this, was this describe was, it? I had beer in my hand. I not long after that six DUI, and I'd come home really rip roaring drunk and embarrassed my kids and my dad and did some stuff. And I don't tell you, I can't. I don't. I don't remember it. Thank God. But what, uh, what time of day was it that you had this experience? It was the middle of the day. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. and I'm drinking a beer on my dad's front porch, and this is the day after I think uh, my real bad drunk. Okay, uh-huh. but I'm still, you know, and uh, I'm crying. I said, "Okay, is it is time time to go, or it's time to do something different with my life?" You're telling yourself this, I'm telling myself it's an inner conversation. Right. Dad, I'm watching Dad mow the yard. That's uh-huh. how horrible it, you know. Uh-huh. And so I just said, "Okay, God help me," and I prayed that prayer that I think I've heard a lot of guys and women say, God help me. And don't know if it, but at that moment, it wasn't like the static electricity. Mm-hmm. It was something I knew was going to be okay. I could just feel it in my core. It's really the first time I've had that feeling in my life. And so I got up and I went, went to the AA meeting. I've been telling you about that's really that was kind of the the wow the moment, uh-huh. and you know I have had few well, and far between moments like that. What, what time was that meeting? So that happened in the afternoon. That happened in the afternoon. So that was probably a five o'clock type of happy hour type meeting. You mm-hmm. know that I went to. Yeah. Did you know it was there? Yes, you I already knew. knew it was. there. I knew the meeting was going to be there. Yeah. So you just got up and went to the meeting. You got up, and went to the meeting. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and. Here I am. You know, that was really that moment, uh, maybe that Bill had at one point when he was talking to either Abby or or Doctor Bob, and it was just okay. I got, I got it. That, that feel like that there's something bigger than me. Yes, and at first, it still, I was so scared of God. It was the rooms. It was these people. There was twenty five, thirty people in this room, and they were happy and 
carefree and laughing and <laughs> joyous, and I uh-huh. had none of that. Yeah. And I wanted it. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm going to make them my higher power for now. All right. And, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I mean, that gr- was a group conscious, of drunks. A yeah. lot of people use G-O-D, right. group of drunks. That's what I made as my higher power at first. And then I got a sponsor, and we started working the steps. And when I got to step three, it was tough because, you know, I – they tried to trick me in step two. That capital P, you know. Uh, Came to believe in a power greater power than ourselves. Is a capital P. I said, well, I know what that means. That means God. Uh-huh. And, uh, so I didn't, I said, all right. So, we, so you were against God. Yeah, I was against God. I was rebellious as hell. You uh-huh. know? I was drunk running down the middle of Roswell Road cussing God. Mm-hmm. Literally in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Then I passed out. <laughs> Hopefully on the side of the road. I did. Least. I made it behind the gas station. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you transform this idea of a God that you're scared of, that uh, sounds like a punishing God, mm-hmm. to how would you describe your higher power now? And you might hear this. It's a loving, caring God that wants good things for me. And he, you know, he loves me just the way I am. And he was always loving me just the way I was. It wasn't him that abandoned me. It was I that abandoned him. And looking back on it, I know that, Mm. you know, but there's no way that I can be where I'm at without assistance from a loving, caring God. Just staying sober was the first thing. And it's the trying to pass this on. But I, you know, now I get on my knees and I say, thanks, God, you know, every day for another day of sobriety. And when I get up in the morning, I'll get on my knees and ask God to help me stay sober and help me help other people if possible. And that's it. I used to throw up those wild prayers. Please get me out of this. Get me out of that. And I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, the key to me was getting a sponsor that could help me through that. That Me inner too. voice that was saying, you, you, you're not good enough. And I had a sponsor that helped me say, you know, you are. God loves you just like the way you are and always has. So that was key. You just had to let go of your idea of what God was. It was hard to do because it was ingrained, it was ingrained in yeah. me. Yeah, it was Absolutely. very difficult. Yeah, yeah. But I'm glad it did. My experience coming in here, to come into these rooms with the experience of God that I was bringing into these rooms, I didn't use the word. I didn't say the word. I wasn't going to say it. I heard you speak at a meeting, Don, where where you said something to the effect of it. You you did you were the same way, right? And it would take ten minutes to explain what that higher power was, and I then felt one like day I had to explain it. Yeah, right. and then one day you realized it was just easier to say God because you knew what you meant, <laughs> and that was all that mattered. Let the word God represent that thing that's keeping me sober. Yeah, that's a real thing that's happening to me. Yeah. And that, thankfully, I heard you share that at a speaker meeting, I don't know, two months into my recovery, into my sobriety, wow. and that got that word out of the way for me, yeah. or that objection to that word. Yeah, right. And just imagine the, uh, this is to the newcomers or the folks out there who are um, uh, questioning whether or not they want to stop drinking and, and go this route. Imagine going through life, whether or not you believe in God, not worrying about the the squish God. I love how an old timer put that: the squish God, the God that was going to squish her under her <laughs> under his thumb. Um, mm-hmm. That's what she grew up with, and she was like, "I don't want any part of that." And instead, imagine the idea squish that God. this higher power, God, the the music of the spheres, the you know whatever, is actually working. For you, right. work wants your best things, the best things in life to happen for you, as opposed to is going is looking waiting for you to yeah. make a mistake so he can squish you. Right. It sounds namby pamby though. The, yeah, this power that wants the best things in life for me, um, Pollyanna. So, so how do you deal with that? What do you say to that, Chris? I'm a, I'm living proof that. Something happened inside me, you know, that changed me. 
I, it's it's and when I I got a new, I got a new sponsee right now that I'm working with, and we the other, two nights ago he says I just don't know about this God thing. I said, well, welcome to the club. You know, you're not <laughs> the only one that had a a bad idea of what God was all about. And I said, my sponsor said, well, do you believe that I believe? Mm-hmm. I said, I think yeah, I do. Well, then just. Trust me and work the steps, and we'll we'll move forward. We'll keep going. We're gonna do step four soon. We're not gonna <laughs> polyanny around on that, okay? <laughs> but and that'll be just something that you're gonna that'll you'll grow into, or that will happen, you know. And and sure enough, because I remember walking in the rooms and, and people were talking about God, and I said, "Man, they have tricked me, mm. and I am in the wrong place." Right. But it wasn't. I just stayed because it wasn't about God, but it was in the long run, you know. And I, but I didn't know it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's okay. Well, and one of the things that can really throw someone coming in to to check out AA who has this aversion to God is so many. At least here in the South, so many of our meetings are in churches. Yeah, that's right. True. And church basements, know, church basements, but. The, the God in AA has nothing to do with religion. No. None whatsoever. We're renting meeting space in a church. And it is more of a spiritual way of life than a religious way of life. And I didn't... What does that mean? Yeah, I, I, uh, really, it's the way I treat people, the way I, uh, way I act. I'm, I'm not holier than thou. You know, I'm really just trying to help somebody. Yeah. Changed the way they used to live into the, a new way of living that was so freely given to me, and if it's spiritual in nature, that's it's just a, it's a feeling inside me that uh, I'm just trying to help somebody else one day at a time, mm-hmm. you know. And it's not a book, and it's not a priest. It's one-on-one, real human beings dealing with. Everyday life with real stuff that happens. That's ha- right. Real life. That's it. Mm-hmm. Real life. You know, I, page 124 in the big book, my, my hard past is my greatest assets in God's hands. And with that, I can help other people avert misery and disaster. Mm-hmm. I paraphrase that, but so how does that work? That your past, your hard past becomes. Your greatest asset. Well, it's because I've been through a lot of things that people don't even want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And they will talk. And once you come in the program and you're dealing with a sponsor and one-on-one, I opened up to him going through the steps and was telling him all about me. And that's in, you know, four and five, you know, mm-hmm. is where you dig deep and you, and you tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And, man, there's nothing better than that. You know, and in telling the, and in telling that truth, did you have the experience where he said, "Oh, I did that," or "I did something like that's that"? That's right. He said, "You know what? Well, you hadn't done anything that doesn't have a name." You know, <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he goes, well, "Yeah, well, I, my sponsor uh, said to me when I was when I said that I shoplifted paint all the time." He said, <laughs> "Well, so you're a thief." And I was going, well, <laughs> that's you, right. You, Don, taking thing, if you take things from people that don't belong to you, that's a thief. Okay, I'm a thief. He's going, good. <laughs> and a liar. And a liar. And a cheat. <laughs> cheat. <laughs> Thank God I don't do those today. Well, yeah, it's a different different way of yeah. living. And that then that's the hope. When I've right. listened to Fifth Steps, sometimes I'll right. go to a treatment center and listen to Fifth Steps from people that I don't know. Right. And it's it's incredible to be able to say, I did that, right. and you don't have to live that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have to feel that way anymore. Feelings, you know. It's one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, getting my feelings back. is one of the worst <laughs> things that ever happened to me. When I got sober, I got my feelings back because I used to <laughs> kick those feelings down. Oh, yeah. Now I'll cry at the littlest thing mm-hmm. on a movie if a dog's involved or anything like that, <laughs> you know. But that's okay. 
<laughs> Big old burly guy like me crying at the movies. My wife will be watching This Is uh, This Is Us. Is that the movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe. And I'll say, I hate this show because I've got tears running <laughs> down my face. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I don't do that often. But, but it happens. It does, and that's okay. It happened to me seeing the hair. I got all choked up at one point. Yeah. We're going to see Frankie Valley tonight. So You'll be oh, cool. crying at that. I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> There's some sad songs in the four seasons. <laughs> oh, God. But you got to walk like a man. That's right. <laughs> and mine's adorable. No, you're going to be crying at that yeah, one. I will. <laughs> That's a good song. Well, Chris, thanks for... Joining us, don't go anywhere. Okay. Matter of fact, you might need to duck. Watch out. That owl will swoop right in. It's time for our old timers question. Who you calling an old timer? You. That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. Well, Grandpa. <laughs> you know, no matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a time. Sam. Aw, <laughs> I'm finally getting a little respect. I need to knock you around a little bit more, apparently. If yes, you want yes, to ask... Yes, you do, Sonny. <laughs> if you want to ask a question, go to boiledowlaa.org. We have a question from Victor E. in Akron, Ohio. Oh, nice. Victor writes, Do I belong in AA? Am I an alcoholic? What is an alcoholic? Ooh, that's fundamental questions. Do I belong in AA? You know, one thing that I didn't like hearing this, but when I heard it, it was like, it kind of makes sense. If you think you might be an alcoholic, you probably are an alcoholic because people who aren't alcoholics never think about it. (laughs) They don't think about it because if they don't want to drink if they don't want to have another drink, they won't have it. In they'll fact, even leave half of one undrunk. They'll have half of one. What's up with that? They don't they don't have a need to finish every drink. They don't have a need to always have one more. That idea when I first came in and heard in the big book described it as the phenomenon of craving. I had never heard of that before. And I wrote in my big book next to it, one more beer, (laughs) because that's what I always was. That's what I had was one more beer. I just wanted to have one more beer. Over and and over. And and I was compelled to have one more beer. So an alcoholic is someone who can't control their drinking. And that's a problem, too, because I had a hard time understanding that I couldn't control my drinking. When I finally came to AA, it was because I understood alcohol was controlling me, I wasn't controlling it. And actually, I failed at trying to control it so many times that I became willing to get sober someone else's way because I was determined that I was... I kind of like... My bottom was a realization after two years of trying not to be an alcoholic. So my bottom was a little bit different. The the end of my drinking was all about controlled drinking. And it was like, I'm not going to be an alcoholic. Mm. And I'm going to figure out what's wrong. And I'm going to go to a psychologist or therapist. And I went to, got into therapy and I learned all about the inner workings of my mind. And it was good and it was useful but it didn't touch the drinking i could not control alcohol and i always needed it that's an alcoholic that's what it is but being coming to the place where i'm gonna go okay i give up that's an inside job it's not the amount you drink it is the necessity to have it 
Mm-hmm. So you can give up at any point, and I've heard it described as like an elevator going down. And you know, we talk about reaching your bottom in AA, and reaching your bottom's like the bottom floor. Well, it doesn't have to be the bottom floor. You can quit on any floor of that elevator going down. You don't have to ride it all the way to the bottom, but all you have to do is realize that I'm not controlling it; it's controlling me, and I need help. At that point, AA is there for anybody. Who wants to under? And if you want to understand it and figure out if you're an alcoholic, go to AA meetings. Go to some open AA meetings. There's two types of meetings: open meetings and closed meetings. Closed meetings, if you hear those terms, closed meetings are for alcoholics. An alcoholic is anyone who has a a desire to stop drinking. Uh, that's the only requirement. That's what a closed meeting is. And an open meeting is for anyone. Mm-hmm. Whether they have a desire to stop drinking or not, so you would, so you know, open meetings. You get people, people like nurses going to school, and they want need to learn about alcoholism, that kind of thing. You have visitors and that sort of thing. So go to open meetings, or you're perfectly okay to go to a closed meeting. It doesn't say an honest desire to stop drinking. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any sort of a desire to stop drinking or want to. Try. You can say you want to figure out if I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Everybody will gather around to help you with that because who among us hasn't struggled to to define am I an alcoholic? Indeed, Chris. What do you think? Do I belong in AA? Am I an alcoholic? What is an alcoholic? First thing that came to my mind was you know I I never thought of I was an alcoholic till I got into AA. I just but. I read somewhere and I've heard it somewhere. If if alcohol causes you problems, you might be an alcoholic. All right. I had lots of problems through drinking and I couldn't quit. And one thing that also says in the big book, once I start to drink, all bets are off. I have no idea where, where I'm going. It may be I make it home on time. Rarely happened, but I might. Usually I didn't because I would be on the, Looking at the clock. Oh, okay, now I'll go home. I was going to have two. And why is it we only have two? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 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 But anyway, I was going to have two. And then at four, nine o'clock, all right, I'll cut it off at 10. And then it was, I'd close the bar down. Well, yeah. yeah. So I couldn't, I had no control. So does it cause me problems or does it cause you problems? If it does, you might look at it. And once you start drinking, do you know exactly what you're going to be able to do? And that was, those two things answered the question for me. I had no control once I started drinking. Mm. There's, I ended up behind a gas station, passed out, <laughs> done that before. <laughs> or I'd make it home and my wife would, at the time would be lovely, you know, that I may be shocked. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I thought of when, if I, if I was an alcoholic or not. Gotcha. If you can control your drinking, go ahead. That's right. Control it. Or try to and see what happens. And see what happens because <laughs> yeah. it's a learning well, experience. Well, if, if, if you're at a point where you think you need to control your drinking, you're probably not going to be able right. to. Right. <laughs> or if you do, it's going to suck. <laughs> and like I told the newcomer I'm working with now, he's not sure. I said, well, if you make it in rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, you're probably an alcoholic because people that aren't, you like, don't make it here. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're questioning that at all. Yeah. Well, and it says in, in the big book, you know, if you are questioning it, uh, if you doubt it, then go out to your nearest barroom, also barroom. Uh, <laughs> barroom. Barroom. And try some controlled drinking. You know, have a drink and stop. Good luck. Do it again. That doesn't mean, like, have another drink and stop. No, that means go back another day and have a drink and stop. You know, do I belong in AA? That's entirely up to you. You are welcome. Everyone is welcome in AA. If you have a desire to stop drinking, then you are welcome to be a member of AA. And like Don was talking about the open meetings, anybody can come to an open meeting. Am I an alcoholic? You know, one of the things that I love is that we are self-diagnosed. I am an alcoholic because I say I'm an alcoholic. I can't predict where it's going to go, just as you were saying, Chris, if I start drinking. You know, I might be successful and have one or two drinks. 
I also might wind up burning down everything that is awesome in my life right now. I don't know where that's going to go, and I'm not willing to take that risk today. So I'm not going to take a drink. There's a lot of information on the web, you know, and as you say, as we say in our opening, you know, we do not have a monopoly on this. Mm -hmm. AA is not the only way to get sober. It's what works for us. There's a lot of information out there. There are other treatment programs that people use and use successfully. The point of the thing is if you're having problems in your life and it looks like alcohol is probably involved or maybe the reason then you might want to get some help. I think it's that simple. I made an appointment with uh, a guy I knew in AA. I really liked this guy, and he seemed happy. He oh, seemed, that's entirely suspect. He seemed genuinely happy, <laughs> and he didn't drink. And I knew he was in AA, and I said, can we get together and get a cup of coffee? And he said, yeah, what for? I said, well, I want to talk about drinking. I'm, I don't know if I'm an alcoholic or not. And he said, Oh, sure. I love to talk about drinking. And he got together with me. We met twice. I kept asking him f- to invite me to go to AA. <laughs> and he would he would just talk about his drinking, and, and I would tell him w- what I was doing. And he was going, yeah, well, if that's the case, you might be an alcoholic. Leave it at that. And uh, he waited until I said... I want to go to an AA meeting. And that's when I went. And it was and it was brilliant. I don't think I could do that now at the at this point. I would I would really have taken that guy me. I would really have said, "Do you want to go to a meeting? I'll take you." But he didn't do that. He stayed back from it and let it be my suggestion. And that was important when yeah. I came in because there was a certain point I was ready when they started talking about God and saying the, the first meeting I went to, I was going, if it hadn't been yeah. my idea to go yeah. there, I might've used it to pull back. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. However, there's a standing invitation y'all. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on down. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll set up more chairs. Don't worry. <laughs> Chris, thanks for joining us. Today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Don. Really happy. It was to have great. You. Yeah, it was awesome. Glad y'all had me here. You bet. A lot watch, of fun. Watch out for that pesky owl. <laughs> thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl podcast is posted on the first and fifteenth of every month. Visit our website at boiledowlaa.org or email us at giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous in your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services. Would you like to join a free anonymous online AA group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. Don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. 